Thank you for joining us at First Baptist Church of Welcome. Here is Pastor Mark Hashigan with this week's message. For the rest of you this morning, we will be reading out of the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Goose Bay starts two weeks. Yeah, two Sundays. Starts a busy time. Well, it seems like it's always been busy here the last 10 months or so. But Goose Bay kind of redoubles that in a, in a good way, in a good way. It's, it's an opportunity for us to uh, minister to the boaters and campers down at the marina and, um, and gives uh, us an opportunity to plant a seed. Uh, and even if they're not sitting under the pavilion where, where we're doing the service, um, many of them will sit out on their porches uh, or out in front of their trailers and, and listen to the service uh, from, from their service. So just because they're not in front of us doesn't mean that they're not getting the word. And so it's a, it's a blessing that we were, we're getting an opportunity to do that. This morning I want to introduce uh, to you a mystical, mythical church member. And I'm going to call him Kenny because we don't have anybody in here called Kenny. And I, that way I don't offend anybody, right? Anybody, anybody here get offended easily? Nobody's going to raise your hand. So, <laughs> When we uh, first met, meet Kenny, he's attending a church services at First Church. But he left there because the services, they were too formal. Everybody up on the platform, they wore ties. That was too formal for him. So he and his family, they wandered over to Grace Church because they had a great choir. But before long, we hear that they were happy at, their, at the Christian Worship Center. But before long, they moved their membership to the community church because they had great Bible teaching. And after the youth program, they got it, uh, into the, uh, the New Hope Church. They, that caught their eye. After that, for the moment, they found another church in Uptown, and at least they're there until something else catches their eye. Do we know people like that that jump church to church to church to church? The littlest things get in their crog and, and, and so they move on. We, we all know that. If you've been to spend any time in church, you know people that do that. I have one person that just jumps right into my head right away. What ever happened to commitment, the C word in today's vernacular, right? Whatever happened to commitment? Commitment to, to almost anything in our culture seems like it's, it's a lost virtue, doesn't it? I mean, it's something that, that, that we, our, our culture, our society has made so easy not to have to make a commitment, right? Pastor, uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, he wrote in his book, Confronting Casual Christianity. He says, why do you suppose that there are close to 100 million church members in America, yet they aren't making more of a spiritual or moral impact on the United States? Why is it that on Sunday morning, thousands of churches have more empty pews than full? Why is it that the average Sunday school in America has less than 66 in attendance and the average worship service has 84? 
Why is it that only 50% of the number of people of any church membership role can be expected to attend? If Christians really believe in the real heaven and a real hell, how can we be so silent? The answer to all of these questions is tragically simple, he writes. God's people have made a decision about Jesus, but have never made a commitment to Jesus. Think about that for a second. How many people, today we have a small crowd, right? How many people this morning do you think woke up and just said, yeah, this feels better, and rolled back over? How many said, it's a beautiful day, I'm going to go fishing? How many said, you know what, i got to do this thing after church, I just don't want to get dressed for church, I have to come home, get changed, and then go do, the, you know, go do my thing. Whatever happened to the commitment? Whatever happened? Now, there, there's a difference between making a decision and making a commitment, isn't there? And, and, and this can't be seen any clearer in America than the, the rate of the failure of, of marriage in this country. According to, to statistics, at least 50% of all marriages will end in divorce. Now, that percentage, believe it or not, is bigger within the church. It's almost 60% of all marriages in Christian churches end in divorce. Why do you suppose that's happening? I mean, Charles Stanley already told us, right? He said in his book again, it's because these couples had made a decision but they didn't make a commitment. Every person who married, they made a decision, he said. They stood before a preacher, they made promises, and they recited vows. They made a decision, they kissed each other, they walked out together to live, but not necessarily happily ever after, and not necessarily together. So why did they divorce, he asks. The answer is that they made a decision, but they didn't truly commit their lives to each other. But when a couple marries and they make a commitment to one another, it's a different story. Now, you need to understand that, that, that there are times when divorce is, is healthy and is, and is the safe thing to do. And I don't pass any judgment on anybody. because. I'm really broken, so, but, but you need to, you know, this is just a fact. This is, these are numbers. Society today is all about making a decision. It's not about making a commitment. This is especially true in our church, or the church. The reason that the church isn't making more of an impact in our society because a lot of church members had made that decision about Jesus, but they just have not made that commitment to him. It's, it, this isn't important. I'm going to step on toes today, I'm telling you. Okay, because this is important. This is one of the reasons why right now today our church is half empty. If I got all you guys over here to move over here, we would still have space. 
And that's unusual for our church, right? But still, it's a commitment. When the pilot of a, of a giant airplane is taxiing down a, a, a runway going hundreds of miles an hour, there comes a certain point where staying on the ground is no longer an option for that pilot. He has to make a decision at some point to pull that joystick up and, and, and to, to get up in the air because if he stays on the ground, it's going to be a dangerous, tragic accident, isn't it? There has to be a, a point where that pilot is committed. When he takes off and gets off the ground. Unfortunately, churches are filled with members who have never gotten off the ground. They've been sitting there gunning their engines. They're making lots of noise, but they never go anywhere. They've been planning on it. They've been meaning to, wanting to, trying to, going to, aiming to, hoping to. But the tragedy of it is that they never got off the ground. So I'm going to challenge you this morning to get off the ground. In our focal passage of Scripture today in Romans, the Apostle Paul gives us a clear call to commitment. So let's read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And God's Word says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Now the word that used here present is in the original um, Greek language was a word that was used for offering a sacrifice. Now when people offered sacrifices... They did it voluntarily. Nobody made them offer that sacrifice. It was a voluntary thing. Nobody, there was no command here. It says, I beseech you, I beg you. So this action, this commitment that we need to make is completely and absolutely up to you. You have to be wanting to do it. Does that make sense? I can't make you do it. You have to want to do it. You have to need to make that commitment. He says the motivation to be is, is to be remembering the mercies of God. That should be enough to get, make a commitment for us, right? Now, let's close your eyes for just one second. Everybody close your eyes. Some of you have already closed your eyes. I understand that. But that's another sermon. Close your eyes, and I want you to think of all of the things that God has done for you in your life. I want you to think of the mercies of God based on what he's given you, what, he's, what you've received. Now, can you really say that you owe God nothing? You can open your eyes now. Can you say that? Can you say that you can't owe God nothing? Just in that couple of seconds, your eyes were closed, and you could see that just the things that he's done for you, which were probably the things he did for you yesterday, right? When we reflect on the goodness of God, how can we be anything other than committed to him? Now, under the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, an animal was committed 
to the priests to be sacrificed. It was to be killed and eaten on the altar. Paul says that the, the believers, that they're supposed to present themselves as living sacrifices with the understanding that there's no such thing as a partial sacrifice or a partial commitment. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I said you can't be a little bit pregnant? Right? It's the same idea. You can't be sort of committed. You can't be. You either are or you're not. It's impossible to be a partial sacrifice. Some of you might remember the story about the pig and chicken walking down the road together. As they walked down the road together, uh, they read a sign advertising a, a breakfast to benefit the poor. The chicken told the pig, he says, he said, you and I should donate a, a ham and egg breakfast. And the pig says, ooh, not so fast. For you, it's a contribution. For me, it would be a total commitment. The pig understood that it's not possible to offer a partial a sacrifice and brothers and sisters neither is it possible for us to offer a partial commitment we're supposed to be all in for God we're supposed to be that pig giving us everything right I'm not calling you pigs either so don't get offended to commit ourselves to God means that we have to yield ourselves to him we have to entrust ourselves to him. We have to place ourselves at his disposal. True commitment isn't something that you can take back. Verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The Greek word used here is sometimes translated fashioned. So Paul was saying, Don't allow yourself to adopt the fashion of the world. Don't let the world mold you into the, into the world. Don't let it force you to be like it. The word transform comes from the word that we get metamorphosis from. Everybody knows what a metamorphosis is, right? It's a complete change, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's a change that's from the inside out. To be conformed is from the outside. Transformed is inside out. If you present yourself as a living sacrifice and you reflect on the mercies of God, you are going to be progressively transformed. Is there anybody here today that does not want to be transformed? Isn't that what we want? We and if you don't, that's what we should. You need, to, you need to have that hunger, that thirst to continue to be, become more like Christ. We do that with the work of the Holy Spirit and, and that requires our cooperation. All of this, brothers and sisters, begins with commitment. Our commitment to God. So today I'm going to give you three clear calls to commitment that every believer has to face. And this is based on, on supposing that you have made more than a decision about Jesus, that you've already made a personal commitment to him. The first call to com is a commitment to personal growth. When we're called to commit to commit ourselves as disciples, that's that's what we, what we when we make that commitment to Christ, when we accept Him as a Lord and Savior, we become disciples. Right? Disciples are what? 
They're followers. They're learners. We're supposed to learn. We should never reach a point in our life where we're no longer learners. Our senior citizens will, should never stop learning. You, when you get to that age, you should never stop learning. I admire those of our seniors that continue to read. Because that tells me that they're learners. That they, they still want that information. That's important. We never reach a point in our lives when we know everything. When we have done everything, especially for the Lord. Never will we ever reach that point. Even Paul said in Philippians 3, verses 11 and 12, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if, if that I might apprehend that for which also I am apprehended for Jesus. Not that I have already attained or am already completed, but I press on. And I haven't counted myself as having attained. In other words, what he's saying is that I'm not there. I'm not complete. I need to keep working. I need to keep working for Jesus. I need to keep doing what, what, what I need to do so that I can be more like him. Paul, the greatest evangelist ever, I think. Right? Paul that, that shared Jesus whenever, however, whenever he, he went anywhere. Said, I'm not there yet. He said that until he was crucified. All the time. Right? He was committed. The truth is that most believers have never reached past the point that Paul says that they have to in order to be fed. In other words, that they're still on the milk. They haven't got to the meat. In Hebrews 5, verses, uh, verse 12, it says, For everyone that useth, uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for here to, here there, hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither Yet now are ye able. In other words, he couldn't give them the whole gospel. He couldn't stand on their shoulders and say, give them all of this because, because they, they hadn't got out of the pew. They hadn't gotten in the Bible. They hadn't committed to Christ enough to where they could learn, where they could absorb what he was giving them. And he wanted to give them all the gospel, everything. How many of you are that way today? The vast majority of Christians in the churches meeting this morning are still on milk. Have never gotten into the meat. Have never got their hearts or their minds to a place where they could feast on meat of the Bible. As Paul said, they were not able to bear it. Beloved, we need to make a commitment to grow spiritually. We have to. We need to take positive steps to do that. We need to start by having a Bible reading plan. Whether that's one verse a day, whether that's a chapter a day, whatever that is, 
you got to pick this up. If you're going to become more like Christ, if you're committed, you want to know more about him, right? You want him to, to be into your life. You need to set a time aside each day to pray. That's your communication. That's important. You need to pick up good Christian literature. You need to watch some good Christian programming. You need to listen to some good Christian radio. Never give up learning. In the mornings, if you, if you spend time in the car, W-A-V-A. That's because there's preaching. There's, there's shows. There, there, there's preachers on there that will make you wake up. Right, Mike? Mike's an avid WAVA listener. You, you hear some great sermons. A whole lot better than me. Never give up learning. The second call is a commitment to the local church. The author, Jerry Bridges, comments in an article on commitment. He wrote, As I have watched the parade of people through our church and other churches, I wonder why so few commit themselves to the local body of believers in a significant way. Many sit and soak and do little else, and they flee at the first sign of trouble or pressure. They fail to become involved or to give. The priority for corporate worship falls far down on the list. They criticize all that's wrong with a specific local congregation. What can we do besides comment or complain? We need to accept the challenge to commit ourselves to responsible membership. Anybody here ever hear, hear somebody from your church complain about your church or somebody in your church? Or how about somebody complain about another church? Or what's going on see what you need to understand is the church the local church is the first level of commitment outside of our relationship with the Lord the local church with all of its imperfections is still the Lord's major path through which he accomplishes his work this is where people look for help this is where people are looking for Christ Right? The church comes together for worship, for teaching, for fellowship, to gain the power to carry out the ministry that's scattered in various places with various responsibilities. We all have gifts, don't we? We all have special gifts that God has given us. I know you're sitting there going, I can't do nothing. Yes, you can. God has given you a gift when you accepted Christ. The member who forsakes the assembling together loses the power of that fellowship. You won't lose your salvation, but you lose power. You don't have the strength. You don't have other people to, to, to grow on, to lean on. That's why we're together. That's why we're supposed to be together. Some people just don't see that church attendance is necessary. Y'all got your, your own personal relationship with God, right? Like that. 
People see that recreation is a necessity. They see yard work as a necessity. They see entertaining as a necessity. They see being entertained as a necessity. But church, nah, that ain't important. It's, yeah, it's not important. Church attendance and participation rank right there with visiting grandpa's grave or going to the, uh, the new wing of, of the art museum that just opened. You have every intention of going. Gotta go. Unless something else comes up. In too, far too many lives, church attendance seems to be put in the last place in their lives. I sometimes think that the local Boy Scout troops have better attendance in their weekly meetings than we, percentage-wise than we do it in, in, in churches. Brothers and sisters, commitment to church is deeper than just attendance. Attendance to worship service is deeper than that. But it starts here, right? This is where it starts. If you really want to get to know the people of our church, you know what you got to do? You got to show up for prayer meeting. You got to be for Bible study. You got to be a part of the Sisters in Christ. You got to be a part of any of these little things that we got going on. That's how you know people. There is no way on this earth that you're going to find out about anybody in these pews by just talking to them for 10 minutes before church or 10 minutes after. You can't invest in their lives and they can't invest in yours. You want to be a committed member of this church? You have to do that. If we're really going to get to know people, we need to spend time with them. If you're never going to really feel a part of the church the way that we would like you to, or any church, by just attending a Sunday morning service, You need to be involved. Commitment to a local church also demands loyalty. Loyalty is also something that's disappeared, isn't it? It's so easy to find other people to be loyal to for five or ten minutes, isn't it? I mean, all the millions and thousands and millions and millions of people. I mean, I, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to like me, somebody for a short period of time. When we criticize our church to the outside community, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Do you know that? Who's going to come with you to a church that you've torn down in front of them? You need to be loyal to those who are serving Jesus' church in the capacity that they're being led. If there's a problem, then you need to go directly to that person and deal with that problem. Keep in mind that we aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. Not one person is perfect, but neither are you. Don't be guilty of spreading seeds of discontent. Be loyal to your church. I think for the most part, this church is, is loyal to, to us. I don't, you know, if you guys are complaining about church, then it's really, really secret because I haven't heard about it yet. Some of you need to make a commitment to be involved in the life of the church. Sitting here Sunday morning is not 
just what church is about. We have so much stuff that can be done. So much more that we can do ministry-wise if we had more people getting off their fannies and coming and helping. There are a lot of you out there right now that say, hey, I would love for us to be doing this at church. But I don't want to lead it. <laughs> You're led enough to think about it, which means that God has probably put that ability in you to lead that particular ministry. But you don't want to do it. So come, let's do this. Let's make this little church on the top of this hill sing. Let's make it zing. Let's make it active and proactive. Because here, starting this summer, I'm going to be stepping on your toes. We are going to be stepping out in the community. We are going to get real. Because Jesus is coming. And we need to do what we're supposed to do. We have to. Be faithful to the services. Get involved in a Sunday school. If you don't want to be in a Sunday school, then maybe you would like to help with a Sunday school. Get to know the other people in the church. It's so important to know that the people that you're praying for, the people that you're sitting with, that you know them enough to truly love them and be available for them. Not just with the words, but with your heart. Invite people that are not in your current circle of, of friends. Invite them to your house. Have a meal. We're going to send them to Frank's house this week. All right, Frank. Our third and final call is one is a commitment to ministry. Commitment to a local church means that we make a decision to find a church home. Now, when you move into a home, your intention is to stay there, isn't it? Well, that's what you're supposed to do when you make a commitment to to joining a church, to being making a church your home, moving in for that permanent stay. Commitment to the local church means being actively active, actively active. Using your talents, the gifts that God has given you. You know, Debbie comes from, from Marbury to, to help us when Lisa's, Lisa's not here, or, or in this case, that Mark beat her up and hurt her hand. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lisa had hurt her hand, is not unable to play. Her commitment is beautiful. She could be sitting at her church, right? Make a home. Make a home. Be a part of that. Make this your home. Use those gifts that God has given you. Whatever it is, there is no small insignificant gift. None. See, just like all the bones in my hand make it do this. The muscles, the tendons, the nerves, right? All those work together. They're all separate. And I forget the number of, 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 of all that stuff that's in my hand, but it's phenomenal that only God could make this hand, right? That's how the church is. Every one of these things makes it possible for me to do this. And every one of you makes it possible for our church to do this. Right? together Paul reminds us in Romans 12:6 
that having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. See, ministry means putting all of this to work together. Now, ministering is not my job only. Ministering is your job. Once you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's part of your job is to minister. You're all priests. You just don't have to wear the collar. You're all priests. We're all part of the same family. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, and verse 11 says, Now there are diversities of gift, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But all these work that one and the self-same Spirit, dividing into every man severally as he will. So we're told that God sovereignly puts individuals in various, with various gifts in the churches. You didn't come here by accident. You're not a member of this church by accident. You don't come and sit in these pews by accident. God puts you here because he's got a gift that you're supposed to use. You know what happens when you don't use them? It doesn't get done. Whatever it is that you're supposed to be gifted to do that God puts you here for, and you sit in the pew and you don't use it, that doesn't get done. Or at least, at the very least, it doesn't get done to the, to the greatness to worship God that it should. We have to commit ourselves to the ministry of our, of our church, of the local church, for those listening. We have to use our spiritual gifts that God has given us. We have to. Now, this message has come to me because, you know, we're breathing on summer, right? And we're like every other church. In summertime, church attendance goes, right? Why? Because we don't have the commitment. Our commitments to our garden, our commitments to our grass, our commitments to everything. Although it's all there when you get out of church, right? The commitment that we have to Christ is so much larger to feed. So much better for our souls. So much more blessing, not only to you, but to those that are around you. The church does not close down for the summer like the school system does. We are open for business. Our work is continual. Your work is continual. Jesus is coming and we need to make sure that we're ready, but, not, but that we're doing our job. To share Christ, not only during the school year, but all year. Summer is a busy season. We got things to do. But we got things to do in the wintertime, in the fall, in the spring. Summertime is God's time, too. Four seasons for us to minister, four seasons for us to be committed. 
If we make commitments, if we all make commitment today, just in this little group that's here today, our church is going to be different. The world that we live in would be different. Our area would be different. If we made that commitment to Christ and used these calls of commitment, the church, I pray, will become the church that the Lord intended. Can we do that? Let's pray about it. Father, it's... People don't like to talk about commitment today, Lord. In a fast food world, in a... In a get your feelings hurt and walk away from everything or from relationships, from jobs, from churches, from, hey, we, we just make it so easy. Lord, your word tells us that, that it was going to get that way. But Father, we do not have to be that way. I pray that you work in our hearts, that you work in our lives, that you would make us committed. Not to drag us screaming and kicking, but that our eyes would be open, our heart would be open, knowing that we're only half-stepping with you. And Lord, how sad that is, is that you've given us everything. You've given us everything all the way to eternity when you put your son on that cross and he died and rose again. All for us who sit here uncommitted. Lord, I pray that if those that are here today, just these few would commit themselves to you. Oh, Lord, it's going to be a banner summer. I pray that to be so, Father. I thank you for all that you've given us. And Lord, for all that you will give us. I thank you for each man, woman, and child here. And ask that you would bless them mightily. Thank you, Father. We pray all these things in the precious name of your Son, our Savior. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. All God's children said, Amen. That's the perfect commitment, right? If we surrender completely to him how could we not be committed to him didn't that make sense if we get rid of ourselves and put him in our life to lead us to guide us to do his will there's nothing but commitment right that song was instrumental into me coming to the lord because that's what it takes. It absolutely takes us getting rid of ourselves, surrendering ourselves, all of our problems, everything to Him. And it's not easy because we want to take care of it. But when you do, when you're able to do that, oh my goodness, you are blessed. Surrender yourselves. Commit yourselves to Christ. Not only will your life change, 
but your world will change. Everyone that you touch will change because they're going to see it. They need to see it. So here's your challenge for this week. For one day, one, one day, <coughs> commit completely to Christ. Complete your entire day to Jesus. Read the Bible. Pray. Surround yourself with, with the things of the Lord. Christian radio stations. Don't watch any, any stupid stuff on TV, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> right? Surround yourself with Jesus for one day. From the time you wake up till the time you go to bed. If you don't feel better at the end of the day, then call me. Okay? It could be at night. It could be the next morning. Let me know that it didn't work. I don't think I'm going to get any phone calls for anybody that tries this. Can you do that? I know that you can. I know you can. God bless you. I love you. Call me if you need anything. We do hope that you were blessed by the message today. First Baptist Welcome has Sunday worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. Check us out at firstbaptistwelcome.com for all of our services. We are located at 6735 Port Tobacco Road in Welcome, Maryland. That's First Baptist Welcome, where Jesus will meet you where you are but never leave you there.